0: Hello, my name's Jane Daker. Welcome to the second season of Medical Women Talking. The podcasts are made up of conversations with some amazing women doctors who've had incredible careers. Being a woman and a doctor can be challenging, but these conversations are designed to be shared to help those women aspiring to fulfilling careers and to leadership roles. We hear a lot of negative stuff about medicine these days, but these inspiring stories show us that medicine can still be brilliant, listen and be inspired. Fay Gishin is the director of UCL Medical School. She started her career by her own admission as a trailing spouse, but came back into the fold as a clinical academic in medical education and is now the director of UCL Medical School. I was just wondering if we could start off by you giving uh, me a summary of your career so far and then we'll add some whistles and bells as we go along. So over to you Faye.
1: Thank you and thank you very much for asking me to be part of this. It's always pretty special to be part of a lineage of um, high achieving women and it's really delightful to be asked so thank you Jane. Um, I suppose I had a fairly conventional uh, sort of beginning into medicine i come from a long line of distinguished doctors um, general practice radiology pediatrics and i suppose more so then maybe than now medicine is really pretty heritable so i sort of watched the role models around me uh, as i grew up um, a father who was a doctor a teacher who was a mother and maybe the die was cast then that i would be a doctor with an interest in education um, so I finished school, um, took took a year out, went to medical school in London, uh, did a BSc, which was relatively unusual in those days amongst my cohort, um, did membership. You won't remember this because it was a long time ago, but um, you were actually my MRCP part two examiner. Oh, my um, goodness. I was I was heavily <laughs> pregnant Um, I managed to get through um, and I think that was really pivotal because I think if I'd been doing things with one or more young children perhaps life would have turned out differently. Um, So yeah I mean as you are always incredibly fair I don't think you gave me any particular advantage but I guess in retrospect I was being shepherded by somebody who's been a real champion of women so so thanks very much. So I passed membership. Um, I then started radiology, um, maybe for the reasons that I've already stated. I was, how do I put this, absolutely useless. Um, I wasn't. I wasn't cut out for, for a career in imaging. I think it's a fabulous career. Um, I think you know people, people really enjoy it, but I was useless and I was too busy speaking to the patients when they came down to be ultrasounded. Um, so I went to the Dean at the time and thought about exploring other uh, medical specialties and ended up taking a job as a palliative medicine SHO in North London. Um, then got a number, then went through my training, always part-time. I wasn't full-time until a couple of years ago. Um, And as I progressed, I got more and more interested in medical education, Um, sort of joined UCR Medical School quite peripherally uh, around 2007, and then worked my way up through different roles in the medical school, Um, undertook a doctorate in education in my late 40s, which was tricky uh with a with an almost full-time job and three children at home. Uh managed to to get pull that off somehow and then have ended up uh as director of UCL Medical School for the last two and a bit years. So that's my career in a nutshell.
0: Thank you. Thank you. A, an extraordinary journey. So can I ask you some more specific questions about it? So so when did you decide to be a doctor? You say you were heavily influenced by your family, but when did that did you realize that that was what you were going to do?
1: Um, I I think probably I was about eight. Um, I have memories of being very young and sort of not knowing but feeling that I was going to end up in medicine. Um, The only other thing that ever that I ever thought seriously about was um, going straight into education I guess. So I used to run sort of little I don't know how mums and and dads entrusted their kids to me, but I do sort of with my cousin little mini summer schools where we'd we'd entertain, you know, relatives, kids and we'd have them all day. So I've always liked people. I've always liked children. I've always liked being around young people. Um, But I think I knew I wanted to do medicine at a very young age and I I never really wavered. I was always quite, quite fixed on it, possibly a, a bit like you.
0: Yeah, I was 12 and I have no idea. I think it was probably a lack of imagination um, <laughs> that, my, that, that, that just made me think, well, OK, I'm good at science and like people. So can I come back also to in terms of choice of career, because you're now in palliative medicine, but you were previously in radiology. You you, you say you were rubbish at it, but somehow there wasn't quite the right fit. So, So what what was that all about?
1: Yeah I mean I think I probably didn't didn't do quite enough due diligence and I, I sort of had had radiology all around me as I as I grew up and also when I was learning for membership I was at um, a DGH I was at Barnett General Hospital and the radiologists were fantastic there and they just taught us so comprehensively for, for MRCP and I thought, yeah, I think I'm going to really enjoy this. But when I got into it, I had a, a couple of small kids already and uh, I I found the exams very challenging and my heart wasn't in it. And I realised quite soon into radiology that I was a physician. Um, and I think I'd probably always known that. Um, and it wasn't it wasn't too traumatic. I mean, I think one of the issues with imaging is you don't get much exposure necessarily as an undergraduate. Certainly not in my day. Um, and then there were no sort of SHO at the time options to sort of dip your toe in it. So I think I went into it perhaps a little bit blind. Um, I realised that I that I wanted to get back into medicine as a uh, as a as a career, one of the medical specialties and um you know again i i was i was i suppose influenced and led by particular role models that many of us have met along our along our paths um and i worked for and with a really inspiring group of palliative medicine physicians um one of whom i ended up working with as a consultant and and never left um he's recently retired but he was definitely a very strong influence and i loved the way i I know it sounds a bit twee but palliative medicine really is an incredibly holistic specialty i mean you can't do anything without the multidisciplinary team the patients are incredibly altruistic um, in terms of things like research Um, and it and there's a lot of general medicine it's obviously not just cancer Um, and it and it and there's so much pathology and there's so much to get your teeth sunk into as a physician um, and, and I've always found it quite, I know this might sound odd to people, it's a very uplifting specialty. Um, you know the, the, the patients as I said are really interesting and it, it's just it's just fascinating and I still I'm still clinically active and I still see patients every week and I think it anchors me um, strongly as a medical educator and vice versa. I think being a clinician helps me as an educator. Being an educator helps me as a clinician, and I hope that translates to my clinical care. But I, I still hugely enjoy it.
0: So, so it gives you a lot to do, though. Um, so moving on a little bit to talk about having a family life, having three children, um, still being active clinically, and also being the head of the medical school. How does all of that? How does all of that work for you? What's the trick?
1: Well I hope this doesn't sound sycophantic but I have had some good mentorship along the way and for anyone listening to this who who obviously won't know I had a certain uh, Jane Daker as a mentor at a, a time which was really um, formative for me so transitioning into a leadership role during COVID um, I had really strong role models around me I had Deborah Gill who was the, the um, previous um, incumbent and I think having strong female role models and recognizing that it's sort of possible to do it all i mean i i i'd I'd love to say it's completely possible but i think there are penalties to be paid as a woman um you know we see it in things like the gender pay gap we see it in 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 other ways manifesting clinically um, and in work but i think you just you know i've worked like many of us, very hard. I've tried my best. I find having a portfolio career incredibly enriching. So I very much like having different facets to, to my roles, whether it's leadership, education, clinical work. So in a way, I've had my cake and eaten it. But the penalty is that, you know, you you work incredibly full on um, hours. And, and if I'm honest, I think I treaded water professionally for a, a really long time. It wasn't until my oldest child was uh, probably leaving home and at university that I sort of permitted, allowed myself to really spread my wings and go for go for things and go for opportunities. Up till then, I'd literally just worked part time and seen patients. But I, I think you you can have a, a very enriching portfolio career. But I think sort of holding big, high pressure leadership roles is not for everyone but it but it is for some of us and and it's it's an incredible privilege to be able to lead a large medical school with all the challenges that that brings
0: um so do you think you've been held back at all during your career a lot of women uh don't think they have and then when they think about it a little bit more they realize that perhaps there were uh, times when there were barriers to their career progression related to their gender or their family or something else?
1: I, I don't feel I've been held back. I feel that, that that sort of implies that there were systems and things holding me back. I probably held myself back, if we use that phrase. I wasn't in the right headspace to commit to anything bigger 10 years ago or even five years ago because. Uh, you know as for many of us family is the number one priority so I I don't think I was held back maybe somebody could look at my career trajectory and say you know it, it went in fits and starts and taking three lots of maternity leave has a has a has a penalty but that's how I chose it that's how I wanted it um, you know I think if you look on paper I'm probably several years behind my husband professionally but those were my choices and I've been able to support him and I've been able to support my kids. And I have finally ended up in my late 40s, now early 50s with, with the sort of career that's really pretty bespoke and, and suits me really well for now.
0: Excellent. So so thinking about highs and lows, you've been very positive and talked about a lot of the highs that you've had along the way. Is there anything that you would like to share that, that uh, maybe didn't go quite so well? that's supposed
1: to be what we learn most we learn most from yeah definitely i mean my foray into into radiology was not smooth i was the first i'll, I'll keep the regions anonymized so that people can't be identified but i was the first ever around 2000 part time trainee in my region um and actually i i don't People didn't know how to handle that. They, they didn't really have a sort of clear blueprint for training for part-timers. I was seen as a bit of a nuisance, I think. Um, I didn't feel hugely supported by some of the women in the department, if I'm truly honest about it. It's the only time in my whole career where I've sort of faltered. And I remember going to see the dean, which I described earlier, the the postgraduate dean, just sort of saying, maybe I maybe I'm not cut out for this. Maybe I can't find a path that's that's conducive to the work life balance I'm seeking. And and actually she was very supportive and and sort of went back to basics. But I, I think that was quite an unpleasant time. Um, I I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that I was bullied or that I floridly, you know, anyone crossed the line. But I think the atmosphere was not conducive and supportive to um, having a family. There was an expectation. and I think perhaps it still exists in some branches of medicine, not really palliative medicine. I've, I don't think our trainees feel that. But um It wasn't an easy climate to be a part time woman and and the exams, the postgraduate exams, having already done a set were really tough. Uh, And I I failed my FLCR part one. Um, I failed the physics part. No surprises there. Um, And, uh, you know, it was it was a time where I, I was at a junction and I was quite aware of that. And actually, it's been hugely formative and important in my life. Um, and it was definitely, in retrospect, the right move. It's led me into medical education and palliative medicine. But at the time, it felt tough.
0: Yeah, no, I can imagine. I can imagine. Um, can I ask you about childcare? Three children, <laughs> job? How does it all work? I have to say, I know that I tried everything along the way. How about you? Yeah.
1: Um, yeah, I mean, there are times where it's been really, really tough. I mean, I don't have to tell you, and, and, and many people probably listening to this podcast will will understand and it will resonate with them. I mean, the summer holidays were sort of nightmarish every year. You had clinics, you had ward rounds, and yet you were, um, you know, you were expected to somehow. They, they I've got an amazing, uh, my parents are amazing and really helped me um my husband's been pretty supportive although he wasn't always able to take sort of days or weeks on end of childcare. we we coxed and boxed we cobbled it together we we made a plan you know every every set of holidays we just like you I'm sure Jane we just sort of somehow made it work and I think my kids have come out I mean I asked my children recently what what they thought about my my job and my career and what it was like to have you know, these two professional parents, and I think, I mean, what were they going to say to me, but I think that they were pretty proud, accepting, and, you know, they they sort of recognised that it's been an important thing for, for both of their parents, and I think they also appreciated the fact that we were around a lot, and we were available for them, um, but I, I don't know what the right way is, I don't think there is a right way, you just, you just try and make it work, but, but yeah. I think the, te- the team effort is key.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. I, I get the feeling it's harder now because it's more expensive um, and because there aren't there aren't people who live in quite in the same way as there were. So I, I, I think it is harder, but I have to say, I don't think it was ever easy.
1: No, so I'm <laughs> not sure. You know, yeah, there were lo- lots of uh, cricket camps and football camps and art camps and things like that. And, you know, I think they I hope they're fine for it.
0: So, um... Following on from the theme, but not so much about children, about everybody else. Do you think being a successful woman has impacted
1: your personal life? Um, I I suppose it depends what your metrics for success are. Um, I think, as I described treading water for a long time, I was able to sort of establish you know, I had a lot of I had a lot of time away from work because I was working part time, although as we all know, part timers are not always on paper part time. But I've got great friendship groups that I've really worked hard to to nurture over the years I've been in a, a walking group on a saturday for 15 years I'm in a book club which has been running about the same time you know the book club's got loads of hugely successful women in it it's got you know an mp it's got a, a couple of ceos it's got the COO of a of a big nhs trust you know i think i think networks and and support networks are really important and i i I don't know how I look back once I've retired, Um, but at the moment I feel like I have decent balances. I've got great friends, great family, a few interests outside work, to be fair, not as many as I'd probably like. I mean, I, I don't read as much as I'd like to, for example, because I just get into bed quite knackered of an evening. But I think that goes for many of us um but yeah i mean one day i'm i'm planning to travel more and explore more and walk more um but for now i i yeah i think it, it it's working reasonably well
0: excellent so there are a lot will be a lot of the people who listen to um listen to this podcast who will be wondering what advice you might give them for their futures so what about women that are starting out and you know there are more and more uh women who now do recognise that they want to be leaders in their own field um, and to have a fulfilling career and have a family. So what advice would you give to those coming through?
1: I would say pick your timing carefully. You can't necessarily do everything from the word go. So once you get established as a GP or a consultant, I mean, I was always told just spend the first few years seeing patients, getting clinically focusing on your clinical work I didn't quite wait those five years but I think it was good advice um I think as I spoke about having colleagues that you trust um getting into a department uh, you know I I I can't over how important it is to be in a department that feels collegiate trustworthy um you know, I think it's absolutely vital that you, I've mulled over a lot about whether you need to be friends with colleagues. Um, and I've come to the conc- my conclusion, you don't necessarily have to be friends. It's lovely to be friendly, but I like this concept of neighbourliness. So just being able to sort of very professionally and safely and, tr- and, and, and in a trustworthy way sort of rub along and trust your colleagues. I think that's key. I mentioned mentorship sponsorship i think it's particularly at times of transition in your career having strong mentorship maybe female mentorship is is really important um and i and, and we can't always pick what goes on in our home lives and if if we have partners or not or you know when you get pregnant i mean my first pregnancy was totally inadvertent um but you know, I think, I think it's important to sort of, I used the word triage before, to, 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 to sit down and think and reflect. Reflection has been a very important part of my career, um, particularly things like establishing Schwartz Rounds in higher education institutions. So I would say, try and have a plan, uh, have good, good colleagues if you can, think about what's important to you and what makes you tick, try and find a good mentor if you can, and and you know just try not to pressure yourself too much because things sort of have a habit of somehow slotting into place and working out and if it's not the ideal job job that you go into as a new consultant or gp these things wax and wane i mean my job description now looks virtually nothing like it did when i became a consultant in 2008 so I just think these things are dynamic and I describe myself as an an opportunist. I I look out for opportunities. I take them if they feel right, if they present at the right time in my life. And, you know, to have people around you who can help give you sage advice and support you is is really critical.
0: So uh, I think what you're saying is go with the flow. (laughs)
1: well uh, yeah I think so and and you know if you do there was you know it depends what you think about things like Myers-Briggs but I'm a I'm a judger um so I'm quite on the judging spectrum so by personality I like to plan things but you can't always plan things and we've seen that particularly over the last few years so go with the flow but maybe have some sort of idea about what 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 might suit you
0: excellent Faye thank you very much it was great talking to you
1: Thank you so much, Jane.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of Medical Women Talking. It's been a privilege to spend time with all these medical women. I hope you've enjoyed listening to this season. Don't forget there are many other interviews in season one.